What's up, gang? How we doing this week? I'm. Uh, it's early in the morning, uh, contrary to when I often record these podcasts, <laughs> when it's late at night and I'm just exhausted. But here we are, fresh thing in the morning, 7.30. I'm like a West Coast trader. What's that about? Um, yeah, a little, uh, what, Thursday morning? Let's check the old... Uh, futures markets look like they're going to recover a little bit today but hey futures don't mean shit these days i'm only concerned because i'm still holding some amd calls that i swung overnight from a couple days ago actually so holding on to those baby because there wasn't a big enough contract size to give a shit and i'm glad i did because it should pop and have a nice little maybe 20 percent, 30 percent today oh, stop that alarm um trying to record this in the morning hopefully i can get this done all of it done now. If not, I'll have to just come back later and record it, uh, the rest of it tonight. Not that you guys will notice because it'll just be cut together, but I'm heading to Missouri today. I'm in Michigan, uh, heading to Missouri today for a family vacation. Ooh boy. Um, should be cool. I'm excited. As excited as you can be for a family vacation. No, it should be cool. It's, a uh, it's that time of year where I feel like my last two trips have been vacations, which is not complaining, not complaining, but um, kind of complaining. No, I like traveling for work. So it's only the only thing I don't like about vacations is uh, I can't do whatever the hell I want. I'm so used to doing that all the time. Like when I travel for anything else, it's just me and I can do whatever I can. Be. Oh, I'm going to go get a sandwich. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go get coffee. I'm going to do nothing. Everything is up to me. And so the only thing I get stressed out about on family vacations, I don't have the the freedom to do whatever the hell I want all the time. Kind of have to go with the group, right? So that's the only thing I don't like about it, but everything else should be great. I'm still going to trade a bit next week. I might not on Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I do plan on being at my my laptop, which will I'll be on Central Time. Ooh, I'll be on Central Time next week. My favorite time for trading. My favorite time zone for trading. 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Beautiful. I don't mind the East Coast, 9.30 to 4. But waiting until 9.30 is kind of annoying. Like right now, I'm up at 7.30. I guess sometimes it's good because I can go to the gym before, although I often don't. I usually like doing the gym during my midday. Kind of hang. Um, if you've started to trade options or if you do trade options, you kind of notice that, at least I have for sure, from like 11, 11.30 until about 2 o'clock, it can be pretty much choppy every day. There's not much going on. Volume drops. And it makes sense. Everyone's going to lunch. Early lunch, late lunch, all that shit. So I just kind of, that's what I use it as an opportunity to step away from the screens or screen. I don't have a whole multi-screen setup. I take that opportunity to step away from my laptop and my phone and just go to the gym, make my lunch, take a little break and then come back to it when volume is increasing. And at the end of the day for power hour, you know, two, two thirty, three o'clock, oh, excuse me, until the end of the day. You know, I'm not like you cra the crazy West Coast guys who get up at 5, 5.30, trading at 6.30, done by 1. I mean, it's wild. And I've said it time and time again. I think that alone is why I wouldn't be able to trade on the West Coast. Just the fact that um, getting up that early, I just couldn't consistently, especially with stand-up stuff. Like, I've been taking a little bit of a hiatus from stand-up, if people haven't noticed, the last few months, <clears throat> especially as I focused on options. You know, I did some stuff. I was still doing consistent shows in like April, May. No, pretty much by May. May, I started taking some time off. So I'll get back to it in August. I'm going to take the rest of July to just focus on options trading 
and building up some stuff I want to with Cash Pineapples and some other random projects that I try not to talk about too much because I just, uh, I used to be in a bad habit of always talking about my goals and my plans and just never executing them. So I'm trying to do the opposite, right? Don't talk about them and I only execute on them. And I saw a meme a while ago, not a meme, but like a tweet that said that when you talk about your goals, it releases similar endorphins or dopamine uh, similar to actually achieving those goals. And you talk about it. And it's true. Like when you talk about goals, people go, oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. Good for you. Like they give you the praise before the goal is even done. Right. So you can find yourself just talking about a plan for forever because you will still get that validation anyways from somebody. So I try to not get in that loop, essentially, because I'm aware of that. I've noticed myself doing that for a long time with other stuff, so we're not doing it anymore. So just work in silence is my point. So, and this is, uh, as I as I get heavier into options, <clears throat> this podcast is definitely going to become more heavy on that. Of course, I'm still talking about overall investment, you know, ideas and things like that, but it will be obviously quite options heavy going forward kind of noticed that with the audience there's been a little bit of a drop off from uh the last few weeks mainly because people are probably like i'm sick of hearing them talk about options i don't give a shit and that's totally fine if you, that's not you know it's probably going to be talking about a little bit more of um just because like i've said with long-term investing there's not a ton that changes week to week there really isn't like when it comes especially now that i've gone heavier into options, you really start to see how much it doesn't matter when you buy your long-term investments. Like, of course, you can time it and try to hit the bottom, this and that. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter when you buy because the money is always, not always guaranteed, but almost, especially if it's like a big tech stock, like a, a FANG, you know, a Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA. No, <laughs> NVIDIA is not in the FANG, but it should be. And NVIDIA would count. I mean, I would put NVIDIA over Netflix for sure. So, and I've made that point before. The FANG stocks should be MANG. It should be Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, NVIDIA, Google, not Facebook and, and um, Netflix in that group. They've both, uh, especially not Netflix. I'm not saying Netflix is a bad company, but come on. It shouldn't be in the group of, <laughs> shouldn't be in that group. Same with Facebook. So, but when you're buying those stuff, it doesn't matter. Like it's going to come back whether you buy, it doesn't matter. It's going to come back. It's going to go to new highs, certain like high growth tech stocks. I've said it in previous weeks. Some of these stocks aren't coming back. They're just not for the foreseeable future or if ever, but the big ones, the, the real companies that are doing things and, and are profitable and have their, their footprint in the, uh, in the world, they'll be fine. They'll always come back. I keep making the point with Google where it's like, yeah, their business is slowing down, but did it get cut in half like their stock did? No. So it's a clear disconnect and that they're not the only one. So there's still stuff like that that we could talk about, but I could say that same, I could say that same little shtick for probably the next six months and it won't change. So I don't want to do that <laughs> on a weekly basis. So I'm going to focus more on the option stuff and trying to see where I can steer people that way because, you know, people always talk about how it's gambling, how it's so risky. And it is, it is like, you don't, don't, that's why paper trading is so important and practicing and learning is so important. Now, the amount of lessons I've learned on paper, which people don't know what that is yet. Paper trading is like fake trading. You can set up a real, like a real account 
with fake money and use it just like a real account. So accurate to the point that I remember seeing a story about a guy who had like a paper trading account and he had worked it up to like a million some dollars. And then he like went to a bank to get a loan and like, they're like, this isn't real money. (laughs) And I'm hoping to God that that story is not true, but it, it worries me every time where I'm like, God, I hope someone isn't trading this thinking they have all this money. Um, but it's a great way to practice and to learn, see how contracts are going to work differently, see how things like, you know, practice different strategies, intraday, swing strategies, things like that. Especially because, as some of you might notice, when you start trading options, depending on what brokerage you have, and this this rule holds the same for like, you know, just day trading regular equities. But if you don't have over $25,000 in the account that you're working your options with, you have, you're limited to a certain amount of trades a week, which is actually a good thing in my opinion like for Webull, for example i always tell people to use Webull when they're starting with options or just i just i like that's what i use for options i like their platform it works well for me for the most part I mean, nothing's perfect i know it's glitchy um there are a couple times a year where like software will just fuck up and you might lose money on a contract because of software glitches that's just you have to just chalk that up to like it's like retail just chalk it up to like uh it's like when retail has to account for lost and theft you kind of have to do that a little bit with options where you're like, ah, oh, there's going to be a couple of trades a year where I just get fucked by the system. It's, I'm not saying it's any, it's fun, but I, and, and it hasn't happened to me, which is probably why I'm talking about it in a way that's not so full of anger, but preparing myself for when that happens. Cause it does. But anyways, if you get Webull, you, if you don't have more than 25 K in your account, you're limited to like three trades a week or something like that, which sounds bad, but it's actually a good thing. I think it's actually a really good thing because it forces you to only look for good entries and exits. It forces you to not just like, ah, fuck it. I'll just swing this one. I'll try this one. I'll try that one. Cheap contract here, cheap contract here. Let's see what happens. And it's like, it doesn't matter how cheap the contract is. If you're, if you're an, if your technical analysis on it is non-existent, or if you have no basis as for why you're making this trade, then you're just straight up gambling. You're throwing darts at a board with cheap contracts. So you're still going to lose. Just You're going to lose a little money at a time versus more money at a time. Like still not a great strategy. Still a waste of your time and money. So I like that they do limit you until you have more money in there because if you do have those three, you just focus on three. Focus on like three, one or two stocks you really like. I mean, to be honest, I am mostly focused on like Square, Microsoft, NVIDIA and AMD. Like, you know, I just kind of focus on those ones. That's also where I can get the most information on. Obviously, focus on bigger tickers that have volume, like more popular names. The smaller, the smaller, uh, the smaller cap stocks are going to be more expensive contracts just because the, there's not as much volume coming through. But, and that's why I like a lot of these splits that have been happening. These stock splits, it makes the options contracts cheaper and you can always size up more. You can always add more contracts. You want to load more money. So I'm I like the stock splits a lot, especially the ones that have been happening, because it makes the options game a lot easier. Um, and that's something that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to stock splits. Is they're like, oh well, I can just buy partial shares. And like I've said before, it helps with employee compensation plans, especially with now with options trading. You know, Amazon contracts. I can actually trade Amazon contracts now, like without stressing. Before there were thousands of dollars per contract. Now you can get them for. I mean, it depends on the day, but. A dollar twenty, a dollar fifty. So that works out to like a hundred, about hundred fifty, two hundred bucks a contract, three hundred bucks per contract. A lot better than a thousand, two thousand per. So, I uh, I dig on that. Speaking of, I do have an eye on Amazon. 
I'm not going to do too much like calling out of options plays on here because uh, a weekly podcast isn't the best way to get your call outs. Because <laughs> um, you'll be listening to this and be like, oh shit, Amazon 114 call, let me do it. And you're listening to it like a week later and the price action's already moved three times. It's already went up and down. It's already done everything that it's supposed to do. But I am keeping an eye on a couple of things like AMD and NVIDIA. I talked to like I am still holding an AMD call from uh, yesterday or the day before. I think it was yeah Tuesday. Um, that I'm going to try to probably sell today if it pops up to like close to 80, you know, 75, 76, 77. If it gets in that 77 range, we're definitely going to take the, take the cash on it. And if not, whatever, well, uh, it shouldn't be too big of a hit. Not a big amount of money. I just saw that AMD and NVIDIA were both in big falling wedges. They've both been taking a big hit lately. Um, there was another reason why I did it. I can't remember. <laughs> there was some volume stuff in there too. There was another re- technical analysis reason why I did it, but I, I uh, oh, that's why it was a, on a, both of them had piercing patterns following the Bueller buy system, Bueller buys uh, course following the BB system. There was a piercing pattern on both piercing pattern is where you look on the daily candlestick charts and the stock gaps down from the previous day, but then closes at least 50% into the previous day's candle. So it gaps down, but then bulls surge up and then close it at least halfway to where it was the day before. So there was a that was on AMD and insanely on Nvidia on Nvidia. Nvidia would have been a bit of, bit of a better swing, I think. Which makes sense cuz the piercing pattern was a lot stronger like the Nvidia gapped down and pretty much almost engulfed the previous day. <laughs> it's like a super piercing pattern turning into like a, not even engulfing. It would be a Harami, but um, yeah, crazy. So did that. That's why I did it. It was the, the piercing pattern from the BB course. I was like, okay, we'll swing this. They're both in falling wedges. Good chance we see a turnaround. Yesterday was pure choppy. That's why I didn't sell it yesterday. Because like yesterday was just pure choppy action. Like the contract stayed the same. It didn't really move anything. And then today I think there'll be a little bit more volume to the upside, at least initially. So then I can just get out of it. Um, but my point being is like if you do have a smaller account, like a Webull or something, those are the kind of patterns you can look for, especially because they're not intraday. You know, usually intraday, you're scalping. You're not doing as huge a gains. And swinging in this market is tough. I'm not going to lie. It's it's nothing is guaranteed. But these are high probability plays, according to Bueller. And they are. I've looked through the charts. I've seen multiple. They are high probability. They don't always work, but they're like north of 70%. So worth taking a gamble on. Just size your contracts appropriately. But totally worth the the risk-reward, right? Especially if you can only make a few trades a week, if you're starting out, those are good ones to look for. Uh, the piercing patterns or a dark cloud cover, where you know a stock, the uh, the close is above the previous day, and you have that little, you have a ca- a red candle above a, a a bullish trend, basically being like, and we're done. <laughs> kind of like a dark cloud cover, the storm coming in, right? So look for those on the daily. And then what else? what's also nice about looking about those on the daily chart is you're not freaking out. Like if you're looking at a five-minute chart or a 15-minute chart, you're doing intraday stuff where you have to kind of be more active with the price action and where you're going to make the, make your moves. But on a daily, if you're doing those those swing chart, those swing patterns, 
you're not stressing as much because you can kind of like take your time and find your entries make okay this makes sense and then at during power hour if you do see that pattern and you know it's going to confirm and and close and confirm that pattern then make your bet during power hour which is what i did with amd and it's funny because i did the real trade about 20 to 30 minutes after I did the trade on paper, I did it both. I did a larger amount on paper and then did a smaller amount uh, in a real my real account. And it just goes to show you how you know quick things can move. I mean, I got like a 30% better price. 20, no, it was like 20, 30%. Yeah, around that range. Better price on my paper contract than I did on my real contract. Because I just did it 10, 15 minutes before the other one. Um, I think I saw it developing and so I took the trade early on the paper one Be like, okay I think it's coming I'll take the trade early I'll set it up now on the paper one and then once I saw it like really confirming then I took it for real which is a good rule of a good rule of thumb good practice to to have some discipline and to to exercise discipline to utilize your paper account that's what's great like use paper for practicing but also use it to like calm yourself out from making like too aggressive of a move and now you could always look back and kick yourself make oh man i should have went harder on my real account i should have but it's like dude you can do that all day every day as long as you're making a few bucks and you're making money off of like your technical analysis then what's the problem like you're doing great because then you just scale up as you do that more consistently you just scale up add more money bigger contracts or more contracts so i love the volatility of the of your options. Look, look at that. Puns on both those words. <laughs> so, but I like the volatility the options provide, you know, no pun intended, but kind of. Um, and there's one, especially for these choppy markets, there's a strategy that I've been studying this week that we found out in the Discord, on the Keanu Trades Discord. I think Yuri and Jordan found this one. Um, two of the shot callers from Keanu Trades. But it's a boba trading, <laughs> boba trading guide. And I think it's a great, He Jordan emailed it to me or DM'd it. So if you want it, if you really are interested in learning options and you want somewhere to start, this would be a good, a good one to start on as well. The, the boba trading guide, I think it's great for beginners because, um, it's, it's a, it's a good way to like teach you how to make a little bit of money while you're learning. It's kind of like uh, the funny business agency in the Midwest. It's like working the Midwest as a comedian, right? As If you're working as a comic in the Midwest, you're still learning and developing in those first like five, six years. But in that time in the Midwest, you can like actually make money being a host or uh, a feature comic doing the opening spot around all these like one night bars or some of the small, the few comedy clubs that are here, you know, Dr. Grits in Grand Rapids, Independent in Detroit, Mark Ridley's in Detroit. You can... Well, Royal Oak technically, but you can you can host or feature at a lot of these to make a few bucks while you're still figuring it out. And I think that's what Boba can do for options traders. Like, hey, make a few bucks while you're figuring it out. It's a great short guide to read. It's not long. It's only like 30 pages. And like 10 of those pages at the end are like clean chart examples of his system being like, okay, here's where I did it. Here's where I executed these trades. Here are the charts. Um, but basically, let me pull it up if I have it here. Yep. Oh, no, this wrong thing. This is the random research stuff I have for this week. Okay, charts and trading guides, boba. So basically what this guy does is he's only using, and I, I do think he, he talks about his his trading journey too before he gets into the thing, into talking about his, uh, his strategy. And 
which is good because I like that he talks about how he like went from like his options journey looks like many people he kind of got in made a few bucks and then lost it all and then some just gambling so but and this will also be nice for people who are newer to options because here's how his his quick how i trade and i'll just read it verbatim because i think it's just it's a good little little uh paragraph he put or sentence he put in here all right how i trade I think how I trade is a little different from many other people. I don't use any indicators. I don't do any candlestick analyzing. I stick to price, volume, supply, demand, and support resistances. This clears out the noise for me and allows me to simplify my trading. I've talked about this previous weeks where uh, look for three three indicators. Don't look for 20 because you're, it's hard to find all of them lining up. And if they all line up, then everyone's fighting for it. And those contracts aren't going to be as cheap as you want them to be because it's an obvious play, right? So I like that he he's pointing this out, especially the not doing any candlestick analyzing. That can get really confusing when you're starting out. It's good to know the patterns, uh, especially the big ones. But at the end of the day, I think price, volume, supply, demand, and support resistances are a much better way than just like pure candlestick. Like candlestick analyzing can be great to supplement all those things, but candlesticks don't mean shit without like the volume and stuff. Um, so I like this approach and especially during this current market, this market's choppy as shit. And so you're seeing a lot of like movement from supply demand areas. And so reading through this, he'll, he'll teach you how to try to find more supply and demand levels. And basically you're seeing where like demand is where like st stocks will hit like kind of a, basically resistances is what you're seeing. You can create these demand zones where resistance happens and create these support zones uh, where there's support. And those are as as candles track into each of those, as candles kind of climb into supply, you can short it as it goes down. If it breaks out of supply, then you're in a breakout and then you play the breakout and a call up. But if you hit supply and it fails from there and starts to go down, then you can play a short and then boom, boom, play it back down to demand. As it hits demand, buy it back up, hit it. So you're making these intraday. And and he says straight up, he's like, look, you might, you're not going to get the 100%, 200% plays here, but you're going to get 20, 30, 40% all day which is amazing. If you can do that consistently, you're making a shitload of money. And so, and this guy has done very well with that. And so I, I dig on this. And then also to supplement that Bueller himself, Bueller buys, if you go to his YouTube channel, he put out a video like two weeks ago on supply and demand. So how perfect is that? Read the Boba guide. And then you have Bueller's video to supplement it. And it's crazy. It kind of just goes into this theme. I keep talking about every week about how like if you want to learn something with options, just do it. Look it up. Learn it. There's so much shit. Like there's so many. That's the hardest part with with options, just getting through the noise. What makes sense? What doesn't? Who knows what they're talking about? Who doesn't? But if you can find certain resources like this with YouTube, YouTube videos to supplement it, it's like damn. Like I was talking to a friend yesterday who works for a a uh, investment firm, not an investment firm, but it's like a big like basically a. Uh, well, I guess you could call it a investment firm, but they just handle money for like rich boomers, right? And so they're not like a, you know, a hedge fund or anything like that, but just like a big, a big, uh, one of those big old, uh, I don't want to say the company's name, but one of those firms that just fucks everyone over and gives their boomers 5%, right? So uh, <clears throat> talking to a friend about how she went from education into this field. And I was like, but well, did you have to go back to school? And she's like, well, not yet because I'm doing this part where it doesn't require. And I'm like, honestly, like just go on YouTube, like fuck going to school. Like I would honestly tell my bosses, like, what do I need to know? I will go learn it. Like, I don't need to go. You don't need to go pay for my degree. You don't need to pay me to go to school. I'll just like learn what I have to learn, 
via YouTube and the library. Like, honestly, you don't need anything else. Like, especially she already has the job. You don't need it. Like, I only said, like, college only makes sense if you need the accreditation. Like, I was an accounting student. You have to go to school to be an accountant. You still have to have, like, certain credits, certain courses. You still have to have all those things to be a CPA. So, like, same with, like, law school or stuff like being a lawyer. You have to go to, you have to have a four-year degree and three years of law school. You have to. It's just part of it. So, like, unless it's, you know, if you don't need the accreditation, don't fucking go. If you're just going because you want to work in finance, you don't need a finance stamp to go work in finance. You know, if you want to be a financial planner, that's different. But if you just want to trade and be an, you know, be a trader, fucking learn it. Learn the game. Financial planners are boring as shit. Every sort every financial planner I know knows. I mean, no knock, and I hope the ones that are that are financial planners don't hear. Actually, I kind of do hope they hear this. But I, dude, I have family members who are financial financial planners, and like all these people, like. They don't know half of what my friends know from the investing and options world. Truly. They don't have their, they don't even have remote, they don't have like near, near as, near as much, um, their finger on the pulse, right? I don't know how else to say it. They like, dude, the people in the, in the, in the options world and in like the FinTwit world, oh my gosh. I mean, they got resources for days. They know like, I mean, one of the discords I'm in sends out, I think we do it too in Keanu, but like, dude, we, all the major events for the week are in there. Like what happened, who's speaking when, what times, what dates, when does this release? When is this release? When's, when's the jobs report? When's the unemployment? When's the inflation? When's the CPI? All that stuff, you know, FOMC, we're tracking all that because it all makes the difference to the market versus like the financial planners I know are like, ah, yeah, I buy bonds for my clients. It's like, God, how boring. Like, what do, what do you do? Yeah, it, it, hilarious to me. But my 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 uh, backup plan has always been my boomer investment firm, where I open an investment firm, and I take rich boomers' money, and I give them 5% every year. No matter what. No matter what, they get 5%. But never more. Never more. So even in 2020 and 2021, when I was would be printing money with their cash, They'd get their 5%. Maybe in a year like that, I'd be like, hey, we did really good. Here's 7%. And here's what's funny. Those boomers would shit their pants. Oh, my God. I made 7%. That's amazing. They would lose their shit. They would love it. They would love it. Not knowing I made 80% on their money that year. Right? And then you have a year like this where things eat shit. But that's where you take the profits and you let them, uh, you pay them a little 5%. You know, you have a year like 2020, 2021, you can live off that for a while. <laughs> and again... As much as I, I think of like how much money I could have made on options in 2020, I'm glad I wasn't. That sounds crazy, but I'm glad I wasn't because it'll make me a better trader. It's like, it's almost like in comedy, like when someone, when, when comedians first start, if they pop right away, they tend to not end up being great comedians. They just don't. Like I've seen it time and time again, and I don't want to name names specifically, not that it would matter, you know, but there's tons of comics out there who will have a lot of heat in initially they'll come in with this industry heat and for whatever reason, whether it's a look or whatever they're trans. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they have a hot manager agent who knows. I don't know. All those things can, can be a factor. They come in red hot. And then after two years, you're like, what's going on? 
I remember there was a comic that I, that signed with uh, Levity when I did the Cabo Comedy Festival. Two comics actually that signed with Levity and have since done nothing but open for Rory Scovel. This it was we're pushing almost a decade ago. This was 2015. Fucking seven years ago, and these comics still have their management doing nothing but getting them spots at the improv and opening for better comedians. Not saying that these comics are bad comics, but kinda, kinda am. <laughs> and so, you know, but that's what happens. I've seen him like, hey, you got that pop early and now you just start treading water. And now you kind of have like, everyone has seen you and now they're like, no, we're good. We're good. And now they're trying to do whatever they can to get back ahead. Now they're kind of having to build on their own. At least one of them, I definitely have noticed that where he's like scrambling to do more like content stuff because I know he ain't getting shit from the management anymore. They may have even dropped them at this point. And so back to the trading equivalent, if you come in hot and you think you're hot shit, you think nothing can stop you. And then all of a sudden when you hit real adversity, when you hit reality, the the way things normally are, you're like, oh my God, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not who I thought I was. And it can wreck you. It can really, at least from a comedy perspective, it can really fuck with your head. And I can only imagine how much it would fuck with your head with, with trading options. You're messing with your money and then you're starting forcing trades. I can only imagine. I bet that happens all the time. I know it does. That's why there's. That's why I'm reading a book about trading psychology right now, because so much of it is psychological. It's like that's why we say all the time: robots make the best traders. They have no emotions. They just play by the rules and they stick to them. So, as cool as it would have been to be one of those people just making printing money on the later half of 2020 and 2021, um, you know, kind of glad I'm figuring it out now because. I already know this, but even Keanu texted me yesterday and he's like, dude, if you can, if you can get, if you can learn this and get decent and get good at trading now, he's like, when a bull market comes back, your financial life will change, truly will change. And so that's exciting. And that's why I keep kind of preach people now where it's like, Hey, this is the time. This is the opportunity. Go out there and learn this shit because this is where it happens. It's kind of like, just look with everything. Like, uh, you know, when things hit the fan, that's when you that's when you can make that's when the opportunities are there. You can make the money, right? We talk about with crypto with all these tech stocks. Like no one no one becomes <clears throat> no one gets overnight rich in a bull market. They get rich because they had those seeds planted years ago. Or like Warren Buffett says, barrels under the ice. You know, winter will eventually end, the snow will melt, and those barrels will come back to the top of the surface. You cash in. But while they're down there, buy more barrels, you know, buy all them barrels. I keep saying there's certain numbers I have for every every long-term investment that I have. There's a certain number of stock that I want for each one. Like a certain, you know, like let's say 100 shares of this or 200 shares of that. I have all these numbers set up because I'm like, okay, if I can get these, this amount, I know that if they get back to where they were, I'll have X amount. And it's like, dude, if this lasts another year, two years or more, dude, I'll be a millionaire easily when this shit comes back, when it comes back to 2020 levels, 2021 when it comes back to like what December of last year, yeah, I think yeah. When it comes back to December, like like that was the high, I believe, November December of last year. So if it comes back to around there, that's where we're in the money, big time, big time. And most of my long term stuff is still up. It's just we've lost a lot of profits, obviously. And look at it, I get an email from Weeble about my option expiration. Sell it, bitch. Got to sell my AMD option today. All right, let's do a quick double check on futures before we get out of here. 
I don't think I missed anything that I wanted to talk about this week. Futures are climbing up. That's cool. Would love to see a nice fat pop and make like 100% on this AMD swing. If not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Ooh, a couple things I wanted to quick talk about. Um, oh, these are just things I saved for. Oh, how did I not? Okay. <laughs> I am. Okay, we'll get out of here on this uh, in a second. But, um, dude, Elon Musk had twins last year with one of his top executives. This is a Business Insider article, so I don't know how accurate it can be. But it seems pretty accurate. Court documents show Musk and Neuralink executive Siobhan Zillis are the parents of eight-month-old twins. He now has nine known children. I like Tesla, but Elon is making me... Like, I'm less and less of a fan of Elon. <laughs> like, he also had these kids, like, right while he was having kids with Grimes. Right? And those are pretty... I mean, Elon's 51. This woman's 36. Eh. I mean, it's not that crazy, but it's a little... When you get north of 10, 15 on the age gap, it's like, all right, what's going on? I love Tesla as an investor. I don't own the car. I have a desire to. But I will say that Elon's antics are starting to get to me. I'm not going to sell yet, but if it gets back up to uh, where it was, we might trim the position a little bit. <laughs> Just because he's been a little annoying lately. Um, it's been it was fun. It it is don't get me wrong, it is still fun when he does certain things because it just makes me laugh. And I know the stock will be fine. But it's it's honestly it's this and what really got under my skin recently was him being so ruthless about the coming back to the office for forty hours a week. Where he's like, If you don't want to come back into the office, you can go pretend to work somewhere else. That was like the direct quote. And he's not wrong. I know I know plenty of people who work from home. They don't do shit. So he's not wrong. But do they need to be in the office? Like no one, most jobs don't require that much time. So it's like, just do like half of that. Like let them do a hybrid. That's my thing. It's like, I think fully remote is stupid for a lot of reasons. No one's getting their work done. You're wasting a lot of money. Online meetings are stupid. And <clears throat> there is a part of you that like, there is still a camaraderie to coming into the office. Like I don't want to, I wouldn't want to do it every day, but it is still enjoyable to do like two or three days a week. I would imagine not to do it every day all the time, but to come in, you know, twice a week, that's good. You should be able to, you want to, you should meet your team in person and who you're working with. It, that's part of like, that's what makes work bearable are the people that you do it with. When I travel for my, for all my stuff, if I if, dude, I mean, it's annoying because you're traveling alone often, but people are what make anything worth it. Like when I travel for anything, like if I go to, you know, different cities and I'm working with different people that I'm like, Oh cool. I get to see my friends again. I get to see the, I get to see, Oh, I know so-and-so I'm working with so-and-so this week. Like that's what makes it fun. I don't give a shit about anything else. Well, I do. I mean, you still want to care about your job a little bit, but ultimately the people are what makes it worth it. So that really upset. That really kind of got to me a little bit. The whole Twitter thing I still think is a troll. I don't think he ever had intentions to buy it. Um, I don't think he's going to buy it. And especially now, who's spending $40 billion on a social media company when we're flying into recession? We're, not in, we're in a recession. We're already in one. We're already in a recession. So hopefully we don't hit a depression, but we're in a recession already. So who's spending that kind of money on, on a social media company? I just I don't see it happening right now. Uh, I thought it was always bullshit. I still think it is. And so that mixed in with him being a kind of like 
a dictator with his employees about coming back to work mixed in with this, with his like, and there were some sexual assault stuff, but that's like par for the course for a billionaire. I'm not saying it's okay, but that was like clearly uh, like a, a quick smear campaign that got buried quite quickly. If it was, if there was a lot of validity to it, it would have, it definitely would have went further, but yeah, I'm sure he's said some shit or done some shit. He's got, he's got more money than anyone in the world. I'm sure he said some shit over the years. So not saying it's right, but I'm starting to sour on him a little bit. And this recent news is a little bit annoying, but at the same time, Tesla doing great on deliveries, doing a little bit less than they expected in China, but still doing like 278,000 units, I believe in China this quarter. So I mean, China alone could be putting out over a million vehicles a year, adding in all their other factories like Tesla's poised to do more than 50% growth still this year. And so, you know, whatever. (laughs) Have to have that. Hey, like we always say, you have to have that disconnect. You have to be kind of a sociopath to make money in this country. You got to have that little bit of a social disconnect because they're all evil, right? It's just who's the least amount of evil and who's the... Who's the least amount of evil and the most profitable, baby? That's the move. All right. I'm going to attempt to get to the gym. Let's see if my mic... Okay, here we go. I need to fix my my input um, on my audio. It's fucking dumb. But anyways, I'm going to try to get to the, uh, the gym here before I go on this road to Missouri. But hey... We'll see you guys next week from Missouri. If you want the Boba Trading Guide, shoot me a DM on Instagram or whatever, Discord, wherever you're at. Shoot me a message. I'll send it to you. And again, I'll say it again this week, still putting together the Holly Options Trading Guide. And I need to supplement it to the Keanu one. Like Keanu actually talked to me about it this week, but I'll start assembling that. That'll be a, a side project I do this week in Missouri. I'll start assembling. I have them all already. I've been documenting all my the YouTube stuff that I've been watching in order. So I'll uh, I'll put it all together with some, uh, some stuff to send to people. So we'll get it going. All right. Have a good week. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you later.